0: I found myself calling my parents and just being like, this is not normal. This is not normal that I'm in this situation. Like, I didn't want to be by myself in a hospital, not getting pain, not getting taken care of. Like, I did not sign up for this. This is not fair. Almost like resentment, a little bit. And again, it's nothing my husband was doing. It's just the fact that this hockey life can get us in these situations sometimes where we feel like we don't have a choice. We feel like we don't have a say. We feel like we're trapped in these situations that just don't seem fair or they don't seem like that ideal birth experience or just the stress leading up to the birth, all of that extra stuff that we wouldn't have if we were back home, which again leads me to say, I am never having a baby in a foreign country. (laughs) ever again. And I don't want to scare you because again, this is my podcast. If you're listening to this episode, I know that you're interested in my story. And just because I have an experience doesn't mean that will be your experience. I felt like I was comparing what it would have been like if I was back home. On the plus side, I probably saved $9,000 because of a C-section, my health insurance back home. But the moral of the story is that I did it, I got through it, I am okay, my baby's healthy, I'm healthy. You're listening to Breaking the Ice Podcast, a podcast I created for wives and girlfriends of pro hockey players. My name's Devin Dodero. I'm the wife of Charlie Dodero. we have two dogs, a little boy Crosby, and a baby girl on the way. We spent eight months of the year living the hockey life in Europe, But we've also spent about five seasons in North America. I've been around the block, sometimes just for a cup of coffee, but I wanted to share the tools, resources, and what's helped me along the way while also learning every week from each and every one of you. In this podcast, we share tips, tricks, do's and don'ts for all things women, all things hockey, friendships, trades, long distance, moves, and life in general so you don't feel so alone. So put your headphones in go for a walk and feel like you're sitting down with your best girlfriends. Oh, and make sure to follow the page on Instagram Breaking the Ice Pod. Let's lay some up and tune in for a new episode every Wednesday. We all love a good birth story, am I right? You're in the right place today because I am sharing all about the birth of my daughter Skylar where I gave birth to her in France. Before we begin, I just need to clear a couple of things. I remember when I worked at Lululemon, we used to do this a lot before we would start a shift. It's called clearings, which I thought was really cool and something I think is kind of important or cool to just take with me through life. But it's like if something is bothering you or on your mind, you just clear it at the beginning of whatever you're about to do so it doesn't stick with you throughout your day. So right now, I'm going to clear that before I recorded this episode, I have been messing with my microphone for 25 minutes, which as you know, as a mom, time is very limited. I'm not a technology person. You've probably heard me talk the last couple episodes how I've been having issues with my microphone. I don't know what's going on. I've Googled. I've watched videos. I'm just... Ugh. So I just ordered some more parts and I'm hoping that they come in soon. Um, but obviously I know that you guys are loyal listeners and you'll probably listen regardless of whether I have a microphone or not. So I hope that's in soon because I just think the sound quality is so much better than just recording directly to my computer. Um, but right now I'm that's what I'm going to have to do. Um, secondly, I am recording in a apartment complex, and so there's noises that occasionally happen outside or in the building. So just keep in mind that it's not always like that. When I record episodes this summer, which I plan on doing and releasing episodes throughout the summer since I took such a long break, I'll have like a designated spot in my house that's quiet that I can like count on for being a good podcasting spot. So for right now, I just feel kind of frustrated with the recording element because I feel like I can't get like the perfect audio that I want, but it is what it is. Now that I've cleared that, let's dive on in. I put up a story about a week ago asking if you guys had any questions for me to go over, and honestly a lot of questions rolled in that I'm just going to Incorporate into the episode. They were fun questions for me to think about before recording. So I'm excited to just tell you guys, obviously, as you know, the unfiltered version of exactly what happened. I'm not holding back. So here we go. For those of you that tune into the podcast weekly or follow my Instagram page, you know that I flew over to France pretty late in my pregnancy. I think I was 32 weeks pregnant. I will link that episode in the show notes because I did a whole episode on just the stress of all of that leading up to actually getting here so pregnant and all of that good stuff. So it was pretty stressful getting down to the wire. We finally signed something. We got over here and I was definitely overwhelmed with getting set up because I just wanted to feel comfortable. I wanted to, you know, get in, see a doctor, especially knowing that when I left that my baby was breech. I was obviously hopeful that she would flip, but there was something about having a scheduled C-section in this hockey life that actually brought me a lot of peace because I think that unknown of like, when am I going to go into labor? And will my husband be on the road and everything like that? It was very stressful for me, which if you have been pregnant before, I'm sure you can relate to that feeling of not knowing when, because our men are obviously traveling all the time. And that can be a really stressful situation when you're living in a foreign country. So I wanted to get set up. I wanted to just kind of stay updated with when, like, if she was going to flip, if she was still breech, could definitely feel that she was still breech because I could feel her freaking head in between my ribs. If you have not had a breech baby, oh my gosh, you guys, it was honestly just so painful. Anytime I moved, like, it was just like a huge rock in between my ribs. I also had lightning crotch because she was just, like, kicking me super low. It was not my favorite pregnancy that I've had (laughs) out of the two pregnancies that I've had when she listens to this back one day. By the time I was set to have my C-section, I was so ready to not be pregnant anymore. And I felt that way for a while just because of how sick I was and how much pain I was in. And I think I was a little bit naive to the fact that people can feel so sick and be in so much pain while pregnant because my first pregnancy was so easy. I was like, "Oh, this is a breeze. I could have a hundred babies. And then after This last pregnancy, I was like, oh my gosh, if we decide to have a third one day, I do not want it to be for years (laughs) because I need to give myself time to massively recover. So we got over here and honestly, I could not say more good things about the team setting everything up for me. They really set up all of my appointments, my C-section, like it was just really, really helpful because with my first, we did not have any of that. Something that I really wasn't aware of is that in France, not a lot of people speak English or I don't know if it's they don't speak English or they don't want to speak English to you, but it's kind of night and day with Austria, which is something I for sure took for granted. But yeah, so the communication from the beginning was like pretty difficult with trying to call the hospital, or if I ever needed something, or just the paperwork, or the insurance, so thankfully the team was just so helpful with all of that and I probably could not have figured all this out without them because there was definitely a language barrier with with the people that worked at the hospital. I remember when I was at the hospital, one of the doctors I saw suggested that I could try to give birth vaginally, but for me personally, I just knew that after doing some research and learning that a lot of the percentage of breech babies that and women that try to deliver breech babies vaginally, it winds up an emergency C-section. And I knew that I did not want to have an emergency C-section after trying to go through labor naturally. And yeah, like I said, there was something just that gave me peace of mind about having the scheduled C-section and knowing that I can go in and knowing that my toddler was like set up and that my husband would be there and all of that. So funny enough, (laughs) this was actually just another stress. I don't think I really talked about it on social media, but it was like two full days of me like freaking out. So back to about like maybe six weeks before I was set to have my C-section, for moms that have given birth away from home, which is probably all of us. I, and especially if you have a toddler, like the first time around, I didn't have to worry about stuff like that. To me, I was stressing about who was going to watch my dogs, which at the end of the day, like people on the team totally help out with that. But I was stressed about my toddler and who was going to watch my toddler. I didn't really have many options to be honest. And You know, everyone on the team here has their own kids, and it was just very stressful thinking about, like, who was going to watch him. So I found a girl through an app over here called Babysits, and she's Canadian, and her boyfriend played professional basketball over here but there was some stuff that went down with their team so he wound up getting fired and they had to leave pretty much immediately but i had her coming over like multiple times a week because i wanted that peace of mind that like my son was taken care of and that she kind of knew his routine and knew him and so i just started feeling like so comfortable i was like oh my gosh thank god for her because like i don't know what i would do because obviously we don't have family here that can watch him So even if something happened, where like, say my water broke before my C-section, she was like, call me seriously. If it's the middle of the night, like I'll come here, yada, yada. So when he, she, she called me and told me what this, that he got fired. And unfortunately this was, you guys, four days before I'm due for my C-section. So I was like, freaking out obviously because i had no backup option nothing i had nothing in place like i put all my eggs in this basket i was like like i said just i was feeling comfortable because he was familiar with her and it wouldn't be like a total shock to the system when i wasn't there mind you i also have me and my husband have been the only people that have ever put my son down for bed at night besides my parents and the only people that have been there when he has woken up, besides my parents. So for me, there was this concept of, is he going to wake up scared? Because when you have a C-section, you go to the hospital first thing in the morning and get like admitted and then all of that stuff. So I was really worried, like, is he going to wake up and wonder where I am? Like we're still new to this apartment like this is a new setting for us this is a new room for him like i don't want him to feel overwhelmed or freaked out or wondering what's going on same with going to bed like i just the whole thing was overwhelming to me also my husband had a home game the night i had Skyler, and he played in it <laughs> Which I don't think a lot of people can say outside of the hockey world that they gave birth and then their husband went and worked a few hours later. So, again, that whole day, like someone had to put him to sleep and be up with him in the morning. So, I remember that another girl who's actually American and she lives over here because her boyfriend is a professional race car driver. She Had messaged us right after I had hired the Canadian babysitter, and I told her, like, I would keep her in mind if, you know, anything ever fell through. So I texted her immediately and was like, Oh my gosh, like, just pretty much word vomit about my whole situation. And I was like, Is there any way you're free next week? I need tons of help. Like, you'll get tons of hours. I'll pay you whatever. Just tell me how much you charge per hour and everything. She's like, oh my God, of course, like I'm totally available. So I jumped on the phone with her. We, I had her come over the next day, meet Crosby. She was amazing. I loved her. I was so lucky, honestly, that I found her. Um, and so she, I had to like pretty much tell her everything. I was a hot mess and flustered. And she was so sweet about everything. I was just like, and here's this and here's this. And he might, this, it's like just basically telling your child's whole life story to someone that, you know, has never watched him before. And she was like totally understanding of my situation. So she was there the morning. She came over at like six 45 in the morning um the day that i gave birth and we took off and yeah the night before was kind of emotional i you know i felt i feel like it would have been harder for me to leave for the hospital if it wasn't planned because i would have just again i'm just someone that likes plans and so i knew it was coming and i think for me, it was like the week before I was trying to spend a lot of time with him because I knew it was like our last time together with just the two of us. But the night before, I, I think I was just like, I'd already kind of processed that thought. So I wasn't super, super emotional, but I still, there was part of me, you know, that's like still your baby and you just know that you're going to come home and it's going to be a different dynamic and it's going to be a different change for everyone. And that can be kind of overwhelming. And also, so then the babysitter watched him till a certain time, but then she couldn't come back in the evening for the game if Charlie played, which he did. So um, Charlie, or so Crosby, wound up going over to the assistant coach's house, and his wife watched him, and she also has a little boy. So, so the morning of the C-section, we got there bright and early, got checked in. And of course something goes wrong. We get there and I had to get some blood drawn I think three days before my birth. I think it was just in case something had gone wrong and I needed to get a blood transfusion that they I had to get a blood card in France. I believe that's what it was. I also had to get a COVID test. Anyways, the lab that I went to never ran my blood. So they had to run my blood at the hospital. So that pushed us back about two hours as they were waiting for the results of that. So I was frustrated because, you know, you're not supposed to eat. I think it's, gosh, is it? No, it's 20. They told me to stop eating by two in the morning, which obviously I didn't eat after dinner. So I hadn't eaten since like eight o'clock the night before the surgery. So at that point, it had been, it had been, you know, from 8 to like 9.30 that I hadn't eaten, which on a normal circumstance that probably would have been fine. But again, with how sick I was this pregnancy, I honestly had to eat basically the second that I got out of bed. Otherwise I would puke. So I was feeling so sick, so nauseous, And I was just feeling like, why can't anyone do their job? Like I went to a lab, they have one job, it's to run my lab. Like they knew it was for a scheduled C-section and it didn't get done. So by the time the results came in, the doctors came in and they were just updating me and they're like, okay, we got your results, everything's good. But now that we had to wait for that, a couple emergencies have come in and now your C-section is gonna be pushed till 1.30. And I was like, 1.30? I get that stuff happens, but like, this is just again the unfiltered version of all of this. But I my babysitter was only staying till four o'clock, and by this time Charlie was supposed to go get Crosby and then get him situated over at the assistant coach's house before the game. So with my C section being pushed back till 1.30, that meant I would literally probably have to start the anesthesia have the surgery, get set up, I'm recovering. And then Charlie's just going to take off and go get Crosby. Like right after I gave, you know, it was just like the kind of stress I did not need or want. So I just obviously started crying. Cause I'm like, I just thought that like, you know, we were going to be here and that was going to happen. And I would have like a few hours with my husband. Like I had this childcare all set up after just the whole childcare mishap. I was like, this is not happening right now. And, um, you know, of course, the doctors didn't really understand. They were just like, why Why is she crying? Why is she upset? And it's like, well, I have a toddler. And that's just something that, like, people don't think about because we're in a foreign country. Like, to them, it's like, oh, like, well, your family's probably watching him. It's like, no, I'm literally paying a babysitter that is brand new to watch him for, like, seven hours. And then we had to get back. So now that this is pushed back, this is a huge problem. Anyways, they wound up coming back at, like, 10.45. They're like, hey, we're able to get you in in, like, 15 minutes, or we're going to come back. So we wound up going back at, like, 11 o'clock. I'm like, thank God. So, because at this point, you know I'm about to puke everywhere. (laughs) So we go in the back, and Charlie couldn't be with me when they were putting the needle in my back. So I walked in, I sat on the table, and... Every single person in the actual room with me spoke English, the anesthesiologist, the doctors, which was really, really comforting and they were so nice. And they were like, do you have a playlist that you want to put on? And I was like, yeah, actually I do. So I connected my Bluetooth and put on like just a feel good playlist of songs that make me happy. And they were just talking to me and I had never had a major surgery before. So I was kind of starting to get nervous something about me. I am actually not afraid of needles at all. Like it's, I wasn't afraid of needles and that part of it, but it was just something about being in this cold room by myself in a foreign country, which actually at the same time was really empowering that I was sitting there by myself on the table. I was just like, wow, like I'm doing this right now. So obviously once, um, you know, you get numbed, then your husband can come in because he has to go and put a, a gown on and all of that. So they numbed me and I'm laying there. And then I started throwing up. I don't know if it was something about like the numbing that made me just like nauseous or like not feeling for my waist down, but I got super nauseous. And then my husband came in and we were all just talking. And then the doctor was like, okay, I'm going to start to just like press around and see, make sure you can't feel anything. And I'm like, okay, yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. So we're just sitting there, we're chatting and I'm kind of like nervous at this point. Like my husband was talking to me about something and I'm like, not even listening. I'm just laying there like, okay, I can feel like I just felt like a ton of pressure. And they were like, okay, the baby's coming out in 10 seconds. I'm like, what? Like I thought you guys were just like seeing if I couldn't feel anything. Like it wasn't that fast. I was like, I didn't even know they were that I was cut open. <laughs> I was like, well, all right. With my son, everything happened so fast after I was induced that I felt like I really missed an opportunity to like record my birth of like him coming out and like seeing him for the first time. And that's something that makes me really sad because I was so, it was such an outer out of body experience that I wish I could go back and watch it. I just felt like it, it flashed before my eyes and I wish there was part of that, that I could, you know, remember. So this time I really wanted to record it to have part of that on film. So I told Charlie, you know, I had a, like one of those, like, uh not selfie sticks what's it called but it holds your phone so i had i gave it to him and i showed him the night before how to set it up and i was like listen i don't want to be bothered with this i don't want to be fiddling with this this is your job set this up make sure this is good make sure that are set up and good to go because i just don't even want to think about it i want it to be recorded and he did a good job he fulfilled (laughs) he fulfilled the test so he set that up and I actually for- completely forgot about it because you're so in the moment that it's like it's things with wedding too like when you get married those like little details at your wedding you don't remember the day of so that's why it's good to hire people to do that so it gets done and you remember like oh yeah okay good that got done i didn't even have to think about it it was someone else's responsibility They pulled the baby out and put her on me Initially, we did not. I did not breastfeed her right away because she was having some issues breathing on her own. So they put her on me for like 10 seconds, and then they took her off me really fast, which the lady started talking to me in French. And I was like, what? What's going on? What's going on? Because she was super blue. Like, I knew she looked a weird color, but like she was crying. She came out, cried. And they're talking to me in French. And then the anesthesiologist was like, only English. Only speak English to her. She does not understand French. And then um, they explained to me like, it's okay. This is normal. Like when you get a C-section, sometimes they need a little bit of help with breathing initially. So we're going to take her to the other room. And my husband was like, okay, do you want me to go with her? Do you want me to stay with you? Like, what do you want me to do? Cause I'm going to go, like, I can go with her. I can stay with you. And I was like, no, 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 go with her. That's fine. And then when they were back there, helping her breathe. They gave me a little monitor, which is really, really cool. So as I was laying there and they were stitching me back open or stitching me closed, I was sitting there and I was watching what was going on in the back and they were keeping me updated. So Charlie would come back and be like, Hey, like she's doing better. She's like starting to be pink now. And I'm like, okay. So that was really cool. I thought that they were able to give me that so I could watch, because I think it's a little scary if they just like rushed her off and I had no idea what was going on. No one was communicating. So I really liked that they did that. So overall, it was a really good experience with the surgery. It was so fast. A couple people have asked, like, if I would do a repeat section if I had a third or if I would do a V back, And I think if it came down to it and I was in my home country, which is probably the plan, if we do have a third. Um, like I said, in many years, I think I would try for a V back just after the recovery. Yeah, I think I would try for that. But I'm also swayed to say that I would do a C-section because it was so fast and, and painless, the actual birth part. After they finished stitching me up, they took me to like this recovery room where I was just by myself. And Charlie took her up to, I got to nurse her and then Charlie took her up and like spent a little time with her while I was recovering. Granted, at this point, I was actually starving my ass off. And they told me I couldn't eat, which apparently I'm very naive to that because I'm thinking I'm going to be eating like a burger after this. And they're like, no, 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 like you can't eat after the surgery for like a couple hours. And I was like, oh my gosh, I started freaking out at this point because I don't know for me like if I am hungry or thirsty like I feel ill like if I'm if it's like to an extreme point like I feel so ill so they told me okay like in an hour or so you can eat and I'm like okay great so after like an hour and a half two hours I finished recovering I went up to the room, Charlie ordered me like two burritos because I was that's how hungry I was. He was like, Do you want me to get you a burrito? I was like, I need two burritos, I need two, not just one, I need two. So he orders me two burritos. They come from Uber Eats, they would not let me eat them. They said, Oh, you can't eat till seven o'clock p.m. And I was like, seven o'clock PM. And I just like lost my mind. I'm like, I need to eat you guys. I'm going to be so sick. It's insane. Like, I don't know how you expect me to watch a little baby by myself here on no food. I felt so weak. It was so beyond frustrating. And I'm like texting my friends from back home, like after a C-section, did they let you eat? And they said yes. So I was like shook. And it was like one of those things where it was like such like I think it's like a country or culture difference that like they wouldn't let me eat for that long. That was like 24 hours without eating. So then they're like, no, 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 we'll, we'll bring you food and you can eat at seven. They brought me an applesauce, an applesauce after not eating for that long. I could go off. Anyways, it was not the best first day, but I felt fine physically. And I again, I was just like, no, I feel fine. Like a little bit like... Sore to touch, but nothing major because I was still on the morphine, like, LOL, Devin. Okay. My husband had to leave for the game, go get Crosby situated. And um, as us women do, we had to, you know, be in the hospital in a foreign country by ourselves. And um, it was pretty, it was like a tough, First night and second day. So the second day, they wouldn't give me any medicine, like Tylenol and ibuprofen. And some people say that's normal. Some people say, um, no, I absolutely got hard painkillers. I woke up and I was in excruciating pain. I was in excruciating pain. And I would say that I have a pretty high pain tolerance. I couldn't even get out of my bed, and I was begging them for pain medicine. So, okay, I kind of want to reroute how I'm doing this because I feel like a lot of people asked questions, and I think it's easier for me to explain certain things based on your questions. So one of the main questions I got was, what were the differences between Austria versus a French birth? I stand by this through and through. If you are giving birth in a foreign country, it is worth it to pay to deliver in a private hospital. When I look back and compare both of my experiences, it is night and day with how much better my birth was in Austria versus France. In Austria, I gave birth at a private hospital. The food was better. I got to select my own midwife and my doctor. I had a better room. In France, the rooms were not good. The food was actually awful in a public hospital. I had to beg them for more food. Every morning for breakfast, I they gave me just a bread roll, just a bread roll. I was on like painkillers and they were just giving me a roll of bread and when I would ask for more food, they would tell me that it was too hard for me to get more food from them, which I thought was just crazy. I think as a new mom, as a mom that's breastfeeding, you need to be able to have like nutrient nutrients for your milk to come in, for you to feel well mentally, physically. Like I just had a major surgery and I was eating like bread and applesauce. Like it was just not good. Again, I think the experience with like the setup and the team help was so nice here. And whereas in Austria, like the team did nothing for the birth. Like we literally had to set up and figure everything out. Um, so again, that was really helpful. Um, I think what was similar between the two and what was different, so there was a language barrier with both countries, for sure. Um, I think this time around, we're so used to using Google Translate over here in France that that got me by, but that was also like pretty triggering for me postpartum to be using Google Translate because I think you're so tired and... You know, your body just went through so much that the last thing you want to do is be, like, on Google Translate and feeling like people can't understand what you want and need, especially when your husband's not there to, like, help support you and talk to them and, like, help you with Google Translate. Like, I'm sitting there trying to do it, and that was really, really challenging for me. What was also the same was that I had to spend five days in the hospital with both of my births. So with a C-section and a vaginal in Austria, same amount of time there. My personal opinion is that Austria is not really pro epidural. I feel like they try to sway you from it or like delay it in some aspects so that you don't have it. My backing for this is because that happened to me and it's happened to at least five other people that I've known that have given birth in Austria or Germany where they kind of like delay the person coming in to get the epidural. Whereas France is like totally pro epidural, they were like, oh yeah, like if I were to have a vaginal birth, they were totally like on board with like giving me the epidural right away. And that was something that I was very adamant about if she did wind up flipping because I did not want to have the same experience I had the first time around with my birth. Someone asked if there's anything, is there anything that you chose to do differently this time than the time before? This was interesting because I think this time around, I really advocated for myself. Whereas the first time around, I was kind of like, okay, like they know best because I think everything is so new that you don't really know what's right and what's not right. So this time I really advocated for myself. The first thing that I thought of was with warmth and heat for your baby. So, <laughs> if you know, you know, and if you don't know, I'll explain it to you, but culturally, Europeans like to keep their babies very, very warm, which I understand to an extent because they cannot regulate their body temperature as they can when they get a little bit older because they've been like curled up in your womb, they're nice and cozy and then you they're out in the world, so you have to keep them warm. So, this is why I get judged when my child does not like to wear his gloves out on the street because it's like, how dare you? And it's like, well, he's two and he refuses. So in terms of the heat, it was so hot in the hospital room. I remember chatting with one of the midwives there and I'm like, I can't imagine being here in the summertime. Like there's probably no air conditioning, right? She's like, no, there's no air conditioning. It is actually miserable in here in the summer. You are so lucky it's December. And even though it was December, I was sweating. It was probably partially the hormones, but it was also very hot. I had to keep opening the window and letting fresh air come in because it was just so hot. So as we do in North America, I had her in pajamas and a swaddle, like a warm swaddle. And she was completely fine. I feel like most of us can tell when our babies are cold. Like I usually touch their ears, their nose, like their neck. Like she was warm she was very warm so i knew she was fine like if any of those were cold i would have been like okay she probably needs like a blanket or something but it was so hot and i did not have the windows open this was actually really nice and i would say this is one of the benefits of being in the hospital for that long and especially if your husband's not staying with you a lot of the time the nurses will take the baby at night and so i pretty much asked every night if they could take the baby because i was so tired and i couldn't walk around with her because of my C-section. Like I, I couldn't, could only stand for a certain amount of time. So I would page them and be like, Hey, can you take her? You know, I need to sleep because I have not slept at all. Like, yeah, that's great. They would take her for like four hours, which was amazing. But two of the nurses came in and they were like, okay, she needs to have like a onesie underneath her pajamas. She needs a wool vest on. Do you have a wool vest? And I was like, I don't have a wool vest. And it was like this back and forth. I'm not even joking for 10 minutes about how she needed a wool vest. You guys, it was like 85 degrees in the room. I'm not even joking. Like that is how hot it was. And they were telling me I needed to put a wool vest on. I was like, there is such a thing as overheating your baby. So I had to use Google Translate, and this is one of those examples of like when I advocated for myself, and I just wrote in my my phone, just straight up as it is, I said, I respect that in Europe, people like to keep their babies very warm, and I understand that. That is a culture difference between Europe and North America. However, I am the mom, and she is not cold. She does not need a wool vest on. It is extremely hot in here, If she gets too hot or if she gets too cold, you can put a blanket on her since you're watching her in the crib, but she does not need a wool vest and she does not need another layer of pajamas on. And they like kind of laughed and they were like, okay, but like if she we take baby's temperatures throughout the night when we watch them. And if she gets too cold, we'll like put something warmer on her. And I was like, that's fine, but I don't think you're going to need to. But if you need to, that's fine. Like do what you got to do anyhow, they were shocked when they took her temperature that she was totally fine on what I had her on. So listen to your intuition and advocate for yourself. Like if you're hot and your baby feels warm, like they're fine. (laughs) Um, also again, this was kind of interesting, but I felt like in Austria, they were like, I think your baby, like my son, seems hungry. Like, can we give him formula? And I, in my head, was like so worried about giving him formula because I was like, is he not gonna like take my my boob after that if you give him formula? So I was nervous about it. He did. I went up breastfeeding till fifteen months. If you're ever stressed about that or worried about that, but. With my daughter, I was actually asking for formula because I could tell she was hungry because I've gone through it before. Whereas I don't think if it was my first, like with my son, I was like, what's wrong with him? I don't know why he's crying, he won't stop crying. Because the nurses were like, your colostrum's enough. Like, that's fine. It's fine, that's enough, that's all he needs. So when he was crying, I'm like, I've been breastfeeding for like an hour and he's still screaming, I don't know what's wrong. And then he would like go chug four ounces of formula at the hospital. So like he was obviously hungry. So both of my babies were more hungry than just the cold at the hospital because my milk took about three days for each to come in. So at this point in France, like day two, I was like, she needs formula. Like I need, I need a bottle, like she needs more. And they were trying to like actually not give it to me. They were almost like, are you sure? Like, I don't know if she really needs it. And I was like, no, I want it. Like, please give it to me. And they, and they were kind of almost trying to talk me out of it. And I was like, listen, she's hungry. And she was. And I told them also, I'm like, if you take her and she seems hungry, you can give her formula. Like you have my okay. Because at that point, when you're tired after birth, like it is okay to give your baby formula. Like regardless, at any point, it's okay to give your baby formula. Like you have to do what's best for you. And I could tell as her mom and just like it being my second child that she was hungry. So again, just advocating for myself, putting my foot down. No, you can go give her get me formula. She will take it, and she will still breastfeed. So lastly, advocating for myself, because this is just part of my birth story, but the medicine for me was a big issue. Um, my cousin is actually a doctor, and I was texting with her about Medicine and like what was safe for me to be taking after having a C section, and she found it completely insane that they were not giving me any painkillers besides ibuprofen and Tylenol. She was like, "You literally just had a major abdominal surgery, like that is not right. They need to be giving you something more heavy." And yeah, that's just it. And so, you know, the the hospital was very understaffed, and I felt like. I would page them to come in and they would take like over 45 minutes to come in. And I'm like, what if I fell to the ground, you guys? Like, I need someone to come in if I'm paging you. Like, And I think that just goes back to like, it's worth the investment to pay at a private hospital so that you're getting the private care. And this is just my personal opinion and what I went through. And some people might have had great experiences at public hospital, but that was not the case for me. Like I said, the C-section, the actual surgery was really great. It really was. But the the postpartum experience was pretty traumatic. So when I was in this pain and my husband wasn't there and I'm crying, I'm crying in pain. They're saying, no, no, like we can't give you anything. And I was like, I got to the point where I looked at them and I said, listen, I will leave. I will go home. I have ibuprofen at my At my apartment, I have Tylenol at my apartment. If you guys do not give me more pain medicine, I'm going to go home and I'm going to take this medicine at my house because there's no point in me being here. Like, I need to have something stronger. I know my body and I know that I need something more. Like, I would be calling my parents crying, like, this is ridiculous. I can't believe I'm in this situation. Like, if I was back home, I would be able to get medicine that I need and, like, get the pain relief I need. I'm like, no one should have to be in this much pain. Like, this is not right. So they finally agreed. They called the doctor in, and I told them I was at, like, an eight or nine in pain. And the doctor came in and was like, okay, we're going to give you some stronger pain medicine, so just page us whenever you need them, and we'll come in and give it to you. So thank God. Going some pieces of advice that I would say when someone asked language barriers how to resolve them. Google Translate is your friend. As frustrating as it is, I think we just have to accept that like okay, I'm giving birth abroad, like how can I how can I communicate? Google Translate. Like it, it at least they can understand what you need even though it might not be it might be frustrating for them to not able to directly communicate. There was one midwife who was like just absolutely amazing and like the days that she was there she was really taking care of me but other than that I just really didn't feel very well taken care of in the hospital here and it was just pretty frustrating as a patient. Um, Another piece of advice is The midwife that spoke English actually wrote my medication schedule out for me on a piece of paper. Like she drew the the pills out and like wrote the names of it in English and in French. And so that when the they would switch shifts, I would just point to what I needed. And then at the time, she wrote each time that I would need to take it at so that the next person who didn't speak English, I would just point and they would bring it to me. So that was really, really helpful because there's not always communication when they're switching. Like if you're sleeping and they switch shifts, like there's not always a pass off of like, hey, this is this person doesn't speak English. like which I wish there was but like obviously our situation's a little different than just like a normal patient because we're not we don't understand the language um and I think again with the language barrier like if you are having a really hard time and you are not able to communicate there has to be someone in the hospital that speaks English if there's an issue so like at one point I really needed the like when I was having when I was in so much pain and they weren't giving me medicine I was like I need a doctor to come in here that speaks English because it was like using Google Translate to ask for these medicines with people that don't speak English. And I like basically insisted that my doctor came back up like whenever she could and I needed to speak with her so that she could tell them to get me medicine. Someone asked about must have baby items. So I actually have like a whole list that I made on Amazon. So I'll put that in the show notes. I would definitely consider giving it a look if you plan on having a baby overseas next year because pretty much everything's in there that I would bring with me. C section recovery with a toddler. Oof, this was one of the things I was the most stressed about because I have a really clingy toddler. Like, it's amazing and I love it, but I also sometimes it's just too much. <laughs> he always wants me to pick him up and hold him. And so this is something I was feeling just really sad about not being able to pick him up and like making this transition to bringing another baby in the house that much more difficult for him because I wouldn't pick him up, but I was holding his sister kind of thing. Um, so I actually think it was a lot longer they told me to wait but after about two and a half weeks i was feeling pretty good um and i was able to put him like in his obviously i wasn't carrying him for like long amounts of time but i was able to put him in his crib put him in his high chair and i would try to hold him as much as i could while sitting like on the couch and stuff and like just giving him a lot of cuddles But knowing that I was having a C-section a few weeks before I stopped picking him up as much, so it wasn't as much of a huge shock. And I also was just kind of setting more boundaries with him. Like if he was like, you know, trying to be super clingy and like crawling up my legs, I was like, no, like Mama's busy right now. I cannot pick you up right now. So that it wasn't like hitting him like a ton of bricks when the baby came and I was just like, no, I can't pick you up, but I'm holding your baby or holding the baby, you know? Honestly, my recovery wasn't that bad. I would say, like, another positive note of staying in the hospital when you do have a toddler as miserable as I was. <laughs> Honestly, you guys, I wish I freaking checked into a hotel and recovered in a hotel. I'm not even joking. Like, I would take the hotel with the with the newborn over the hospital. But just being able to, like, not have to chase the toddler around for five days gave, gave me a little bit of an opportunity to recover. But yeah, my recovery wasn't as bad as as I thought. I still definitely have numbness and occasionally had pain if I'm walking for a really long time. But overall, like I would say it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't as horrible as I as I envisioned. Someone asked, what kind of things did you get in your contract for a bigger family? the three notes I made was health insurance, obviously, birth covered, and a three-bedroom apartment. I think we probably would have been okay with a two-bedroom apartment, but I'm actually glad that we have a three-bedroom because it just gives us a little more space to spread out. Adjusting from one to two kids. You know, it just feels right that's not to say it's not a grind. Like, it's definitely been a grind. I feel like my husband and I completely agree that we feel pretty exhausted all the time. Like, there's just constant, like, okay, he has to be up. She has to go down. She needs to eat. He needs lunch. The dogs need to go out. The trash needs to go out. We need to go to the store. Oh, we need to go to the store again. Oh, we need to go to this store now. It's like, it's pretty much nonstop. So, like, that aspect has been challenging for sure. It doesn't help that it just takes forever to get kids in the car. If you know, you know. Um, That's something that I miss about where we have lived in the past is that there's always been like a big grocery store and a big mall nearby. So I'm able to like get out and just kind of walk to the store a lot. But here there's not really any stores that are walkable. So we always have to drive, which just adds more time that we don't have into our day. So it feels right though. Like it feels like, you know, it was meant to be this way as stressed as I was about having two kids under two and as stressful as it definitely is, it feels right. But it also is very overstimulating, I would say. Um There's some days where I absolutely am just like waking up and having to instantly just start taking care of everyone but myself. And As I record this episode today, I think I'm currently in a little bit of a stage of burnout because I am really tired from our trip still where I had no break and then no break since then. So I actually told my husband because they get discounts at this spa in the town that I want to go to the spa tomorrow so I can take a few hours to myself to just like veg out on my phone and get a massage because... I think it's important to to fuel your own cup, which I definitely don't always do. And then I hit a wall of burnout, which I know I can't be the best mom I can be when I'm at that point. So I'm just trying to take care of myself more. And at some point I'll get back to my routine of like waking up before my kids and like having my coffee. But right now it's just like waking up when my husband leads her practice, getting thrown into the pits with my toddler, like right out the gate, right as I open my eyes. And then if they both wake up, if they both wake up at the same time, it's just like, oh my god, this is not how I wanted to start my day. Yeah, that that pretty much uh, that pretty much cuts it out for you. Um, the moral of my story, and I think what this all comes down to is, it doesn't always feel like we have a choice in some things. Like I said before, like, I don't want to give birth abroad. I'm perfectly, perfectly proud to admit that. Like, it's completely fine. It's completely normal to not want to give birth in a foreign country and to be scared to give birth in a foreign country. I was totally scared before the surgery. Like, I had a couple days of, like, what if something happens to me? Like, what if something goes wrong? It's, it. like I said, it just sometimes feels like you don't have a choice. And when I was in that hospital alone, with dealing with the pain and the food and a new baby and feeling like my husband just got to be at the apartment with our toddler. Of course he came to visit every day, but it was for like an hour at a time. I found myself calling my parents and just being like, this is not normal. This is not normal that I'm in this situation. Like I didn't want to be in this foreign country by myself in a hospital not getting pain, not getting taken care of. Like, I did not sign up for this. This is not fair. Almost like resentment a little bit. And again, it's nothing my husband was doing. It's just the fact that this hockey life can get us in these situations sometimes where we feel like we don't have a choice. We feel like we don't have a say. We feel like we're trapped in these situations that just don't seem fair or they don't seem like that ideal birth experience or just the stress leading up to the birth. All of that extra stuff that we wouldn't have if we were back home, which again leads me to say I am never having a baby in a foreign country (laughs) ever again. Um, Just kidding. And I don't want to scare you because again, this is my podcast. If you're listening to this episode, I know that you're interested in my story. And just because I have an experience doesn't mean that will be your experience like I've said, some people have had truly amazing experiences. And I think it depends on where you are, what kind of hospital you're giving birth at, what what country you're giving birth at. Um But I would say for me, I'm such a homebody that it just wasn't ideal. And I just had a really hard time. I felt like I was comparing what it would have been like if I was back home. On the plus side, I probably saved... because of a C section, my health insurance back home. But the moral of the story is that I did it. I got through it. I am okay. My baby's healthy. I'm healthy. Um, Did I want to do it? Did I want it to go down the way it did? No. But I got through it. Again, I'm stronger for it. I think all of these little things that happen are like building blocks. To life, and it makes us stronger moms and women. And yeah, so I'm just happy that, you know, we're both safe and okay and recovering. And so if you have listened this far to my birth story, thank you. Thanks for being here. I know it can be kind of long, dragged out story, but it's always fun to go back and talk about what your experience was like giving birth, whether it's positive or negative, it's your experience. And like I said, I'm just not going to sugarcoat that kind of thing. I'm kind of an open book with that. Like a lot of people would text me like, how's it going? Like how, how's, how's the hospital? And I'm like, do I tell them this fake answer that it's okay? Or do I actually open up and share that I'm not, in a good headspace here. Like it helps to talk about our experiences with other women in this lifestyle because I think most people like our friends and stuff, obviously back home have not given birth abroad. So just like being able to connect to those stories are nice. And I had people reach out to me that have also had C-sections or also given birth abroad. And it's just good to be able to chat about that kind of thing um you know i definitely felt a sense of community about the struggle of going from one to two as well just having literally no help like we've we've done everything just the two of us we i mean we had my parents came out and then Charlie's mom came out and so they were able to help us but Other than that, like, I mean, we've just been grinding and grinding. And so being able to talk to other people in the same exact situation is just truly entirely helpful. So make sure to check in on people, um, you know, like new moms when they've given birth, because it's really hard regardless of whether or not you're like a vet mom and this is your second kid, or it's your first kid. I think it's important to know that like, it's not easy giving birth away from home, and it can feel really lonely and isolating. So I appreciate the people that continue to check in. And yeah, if you're giving birth abroad or you have questions, I'm here to help as much as I can and try to offer advice as much as I can on things that you need or, or to request. It's tough, it's not easy.